0: Well, good morning, good morning. Isn't, isn't it nice out today, yes. what are you guys doing in here, <laughs> should be out there, um, we do have uh, by the TV out there on the wall we have uh, Voice of Martyr magazines that, um, that you can grab one, take them with you, these are, these are amazing. Um, Arnie is supplying these for us To make sure that that we can do this This has to do This is really all over the world They cover everything that's going on And showing you Where where the uh, difficulties around the planet are What's happening And where truly people are being martyred Statistically about 180,000 Christians Are martyred every year Uh, We don't think about that Because we've had this blessing Of living in America for so long But uh, it's but it's coming here too, so, um, so that you saw on the announcements that uh, go to the Capitol to pray, and yes, I want you to pray for me while you're there. But that's not like the only reason we're going. It's not a, um, it's not a trip to pray for a pastor. It is a, I'm included. But uh, there's, we want you praying in the Capitol, praying for the representatives, praying for the senators. Um, the, one of the things that I like to do, I like to have. Uh, um, one of my aides, Cynthia, actually take you up to my office and go in and pray in my office. If I can be there, great. If I can't, which I can't control that, but um, but at least you're praying in my office. And now uh, Representative Bradley has is, is, uh jumped in on that, and she wa- she wants some of that too. And so we're we're having you guys pray in my office and her office. There's I think there is um, I think there is spiritual authorities and. Um, and, um, and places and situations, I mean, we see, we see where, uh, where um, my brain just stopped, where Daniel, um, was it Daniel? Yes, where Daniel fasted for uh, 21 days and the uh, prince of Persia, the prince of Persia, in other words, that was a spiritual demonic entity that was over that uh, area. And so... Um, I like you praying in my office. Scat everything out of my office. Get it out of there. Um, And so that leads me to why you will be coming to the Capitol and praying. What are the things you're praying for? Well, probably 20-something people that have come through the doors this morning saying, Pastor, I hope this week was better. No, it wasn't. So here's what happened, just so you know. So we, we we ran a bill. Actually, the Democrats ran a bill this week. That they ran a bunch of bad ones. There was two very similar, but this is the main one. And basically, the bill said that if a uh, student wants to um, in school, public schools wants to change their name or, or or work through some kind of sexual identity crisis, or do that or change their name every single day. I mean, there is there would we discuss this. They can do this. They can do it, and. The, the bill was basically saying the school district will not contact the parents that this is happening. So they can go through the entire school year that they're calling them something at school and they can change that constantly. It's on, it's on their grades, all kinds of stuff. It's not a legal change, but it, a legal name change, but it is in the, in the system, the school systems computers and those kind of things. and uh, And they will not tell the parents this is going on. So you're your child is struggling through all of this kind of stuff but they make sure they keep it a secret from you and the two representatives the democrat representatives that ran this bill got up and talked about now neither one of them have kids and they and, and i know for sure one of them has said that they will never have children but they got up and explained how that the idea of the family is just a social construct the children do not belong to the parents they belong to the school district to the state and that you have no authority over your parents, that they're not your property, you can't tell them what to do, and this bill will give the children freedom to be themselves without the parents getting in there and controlling it. You can go listen to the testimony yourself. I'm not making this stuff up. Okay, and so obviously I got up. i had been working on this one for a while. In fact, uh, this because we knew the bill, they kept delaying it, kept delaying it, because they were, they were worried. And, uh, and, it, and it was bad. I mean, just, just the fact, and, and part of what I dealt with is uh, it is you're forcing teachers, you're forcing speech upon teachers, principals, counselors. You're forcing them to say something that they believe to be a lie. And so I thought, you know what? They can gavel me. Although it's very interesting. They are leaving me alone a lot <laughs> this uh, session. Apparently somebody sued them, and they're all gun shy about this. And so, they really are letting me say a lot of stuff that they would not have let me say. Or I mean, a lot of stuff. And I just got up and told them, say, so you can have your beliefs, but here's my beliefs. This gender thing is a farce. It's a lie. It's built. In fact, I got up first and read scripture. I read some scriptures that said um, that in the last days God will uh, let them turn over to their own reprobate mind, and they will do all forms of ungodliness, and they will believe a lie." And, uh, and I read two different scriptures of that, and they just sat there. It was, it was driving them nuts. <laughs> but, but I did say, it. So you can't force people to, 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 you can't force speech. Specifically when this goes against their moral sensitivities. You cannot force somebody to say something. Although they bill pass, and they're going to try to do it. But it will go into the courts. In four or five other states, uh, teachers have sued the state already for the exact same thing. And the and the teachers have won, and so you you can't force speech. I'm not allowed to use the word uh, use the word Marxism on the floor, but I did say there are other countries like China and Russia and North Korea that have already done this, and they make you say words that are not true. I told him I said it's wrong, and, and you will never get me to say. I told him I don't think gender is a real word; it's a made up word. Um, uh, Dead naming, misgendering, those are not real words. Those are made up words to control. And I will not be a part of this, and you cannot make me use those words. And if you ever try to say that I'm dead naming, I'll do it all day long. <laughs> In fact, they at one point, they did call me over and ask you. they didn't even like gavel me. They just said, literally, I'm not exaggerating. They said, uh, this, the Speaker of Tim said, Representative Bottoms, can we have a recess and talk about this for just a second? <laughs> Normally, they're like, get out of the well. So, so I feel like I'm winning somewhere somehow. Um, oh, and I did have some uh, questions about this. So I'll, I'll mention this. Yes, I, so I put a video on a week and a half ago about the bill that I talked about last week, about the uh, letting pedophiles go free. You know, they, they literally voted, and I'm not exaggerating this. You go listen to the transcript yourself. Uh, they voted to let pedophiles not serve sentences, just probation. They voted to not make pedophiles go to jail. Buyers, they actually pay money to rape children, and they let them go free. So I put that video online. I've never experienced anything like this, and I don't think I have the ability to accomplish this within myself. I really do think this is a God thing. I know this is a God thing. Lynn and I have been talking about this because she actually put it online. I don't put anything online. But um, she put this video online, with a little explanation of me explaining what I explained last week. And it has already gone past 3 million views. <clears throat> Guys, that's a, that's a God thing. I can't do that. I've said a lot of amazing things over the last 30 years. <laughs> Some of the most amazing sermons ever preached. And they got about 12 likes. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Um, I've been called by national shows. I, I've been on... Uh, some different national shows this last week. Um, one guy called late Friday night. He calls and says, hey, can you be on my show? Lynn and I were sitting at dinner. And, uh, and I said, I'd probably, when is it? He said, it's tomorrow at 8 o'clock. I was like, I can do Eastern. What? <laughs> what time? So at 6 in the morning yesterday, I'm on a show in New Jersey and Delaware and something like that. I don't know. It was, it was a great show, actually. The, the host was great. Um but I realized at that moment this is this is what I'm called to to speak to people in New Jersey. I knew I, I've been struggling figuring out where my where I am supposed to be, but it's New Jersey. <laughs> um, guys, here's the thing. So I'm gonna be preaching a little bit about this, but I wanna I wanna say this. I know this is why I'm in the Capitol. It's it's not to do even though I, you know, I'm the one who ran the income tax reduction bill and all that, and it got voted down. I don't think in the big picture of things, um, income tax is why I'm at the Capitol, okay? I want lower income tax, don't get me wrong, but um, it's these moments where, where I got to get up and preach a sermon exactly the way I wanted to preach it. And I would not have been allowed to last session. I would have not have been allowed to in the special session. But we keep pushing and we keep pushing. And we are gaining ground. And we're starting to have a voice. And now my voice got that one video got all over the place. I've, I have been, I've got friends in other states that are going, hey, I we saw you online. You're on this show. You're on this show. You're on this. And that's not about Scott. That is not. That is about what we are saying about God and why God wants that to be heard. And here's the thing. If I ever quit doing that, God's not, God's not particular to me being on anything. That's not the point. It's the message. And when you speak truth, God does some stuff. So with that, I want us to look at something. I think this is... Um, I I just touched on it last week, and I was trying to make sure I didn't go down that road too much. But I did touch on it a little bit because I wanted to unpack it this morning. And I want us to look at the um, the um, this this tension and balance at the same time between the finite and the infinite, the infinite. The temporal and the eternal and, and the significance of this that I think, I, I think, I'm probably not going to say anything this morning that you go, oh, I've never heard that before. We, I think we know this all intuitively, but I think it is so difficult for us to really process it and, and, um, and walk in this thought process on a regular basis. This is, this is why anytime you read something in Scripture you should. One of the things you should go that should go through your mind is the reason that's in scripture is because apparently a lot more people than me struggle with it. Right. The only thing that would that would be if it was just you is if like you have a sentence and right before the sentence is your name. Right. You open it up and it says, "And Scott, I need you to know this. Now pay attention because it could just be for you. Well, for me. Right." But the fact that it's in the Bible means we struggle with this. As human beings, we struggle with this. So when God reminds us of this stuff and tells us, it's because we need to be reminded. We need to be told. We need to have it in our in our head. So in John chapter 5, verse 24, he says, I will tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. I mean, this, is the, this is the springboard into all of the rest I'm going to say this morning. This idea that you will have eternal life. Here's, here's the... Here's the uh, interesting thing about how this sentence is worded is every single one of us have um, eternal existence. <coughs> every one of us live forever. Okay? Saved, not saved, you live forever. You have eternal existence. But what he is saying is that the, the focus here is actual on the life part of this, that you will have eternal life. And that that's different than eternal death. And, and the concept of eternal death is a scriptural concept. Okay, There's nowhere in scripture that I could find that it says eternal death. right? But we see all of these descriptors looking at that, um, that when you go to hell, there is complete separation. You're cast into outer darkness, weeping gnashing teeth, disease eats you forever. Complete separation and fire. So you're alive, you're existing, but it's in death. And you spend eternity dying. You never die, but you spend eternity dying. Okay? But he says here that that you can have eternal living. You can live for eternity. You can be in life. And this is literally the job description, John 10 Satan came to steal, kill, and destroy, and that's what you do for eternity. If you go Satan's path, you are going down the path of um, stealing, killing, destroying. You're going to be dying and and in destruction for eternity, but with Jesus, you are literally, he says, I come to give you life and and life everlasting. You're going to be in that life everlasting. They will never be condemned for their sins. They've already passed from death into life. That the moment you step into Christ in on this earth, you step into a life of living in Christ rather than dying in self. And this is the temporary understanding of this, and then you have, and then the uh, the eternal or the transcendent understanding of this, which which really one of the main understandings through Scripture is that life is temporary. On this earth, living in this physicalness is temporary, but there is actually something called eternal existence or eternal life or eternal death, but that that is you are going to live forever. Now, that's hard for us sometimes to process, rationalize, because why? We are in a temporal body right now, and I'll I'll explain that because that's not exactly um, how that works. All right, so... Um, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created human beings in his own image. God creates human beings. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. I did say that this week in the house. I said God created male and female, XX, XY, and no matter what you want to believe, I know that's the only thing, male, female. That's it. So... The, the idea that somehow there's all this other stuff, God created male and female. XX chromosome, XY chromosome. That's it. Now, interestingly with this, okay, so let's, let's kind of look at the bigger picture. God takes from nothing and he creates what we call creation. Creates the, the earth, the universe, solar system, all this stuff. He takes from nothing and he creates, okay, this is, this is interesting to me because what he creates is eternal. Now, this is where we have to kind of go along the system of Scripture to get what I'm saying here. God creates everything to be eternal. He creates the heavens and the earth, and he creates them to be forever, to never stop existing he puts human beings on this planet and he creates us to never stop existing. He creates our physical bodies to be eternal. He creates, as I've said over the last couple of weeks, he creates our eyes to see God. He creates our ears to hear God and that we are supposed to live forever. These bodies were designed to be everlasting. Now, sin comes in. Adam and Eve s- submit or surrender their authority, submit their life, their existence over to Satan, and that's, that's where sin enters humanity. And so all the things that God creates to be eternal, uh, transcendent, now are broken. Uh, sin, sickness, disease, all this stuff is now part of humanity. And so now the physical body begins to be broken and decaying. It was not designed to do that. This is why I've talked about before. This is why when, when Adam and Eve leave the garden, it takes, it takes quite a few generations. They're living six, seven, eight hundred, nine hundred 900 years, then seven or 800 and then five or 600. And then they get down to 70 or 80 and God says, okay, that's enough. Um, we're going to cease to exist eventually, so he stops it at 70 to 80 years, right? Now, that 70 to 80 years, we can get really old and wrinkly and saggy and all that kind of stuff during that 70 to 80 years, but do you realize that's not how God designed our bodies to be? He designed our physical bodies that you and I are in right now, he designed them to be eternal and perfect the entire time. But sin came in and, and began the decaying process. Well, guess what else happened? Is the decaying process uh, began on creation too. Creation's included in this. Creation began to be broken and, and torn down and d- destroyed and all the stuff that goes along with it. Just like we as physical human beings can get disease, creation can get disease. All right, grass. And, and birds and animals, they can get diseased because this thing is broken now. It was not designed that way. We broke everything. This is why when I, I, I won't go just a little bit here, not a lot, but this is why when I want to talk about John three sixteen where it says, God so loved the world. The word world does not mean people, <clears throat> and it doesn't mean the planet. It means his perfect creation, God so loved his perfect creation that he sent Jesus to die for all of creation so that the very center of this, humanity, could be the beginning of that redemption. But guess what else is redeemed? All of creation. This is why, at, in the end, all the earth is burnt up. But here's some things that we don't process in Scripture where it says, yes, the earth will be burnt up. This is, this is getting rid of, let me put it in the right way, terminology for it, for us to process it. This is burning up the physical body of creation. But scripture says that the foundations of creation will exist forever. The foundations of the earth are eternal. It's the the broken, corrupt part. Just like we are eternal, our broken, corrupt bodies will have to die so that we get new bodies to go back to Genesis 1-2 mentality, Revelation 21 mentality. We've got to go back to what God designed. So the outside physicalness that has been broken and corrupted with sin, that goes away, but the person inside, if you're covered with the blood of Jesus, will go into eternal living rather than eternal dying. But you and I live forever. The, the foundations of the world, the foundations of creation are eternal. But God's got to burn the surface up because we messed this whole thing up. right? This is, this is God's talking about some bigger stuff when he talks about this stuff. And this is why scripture has these little sentences along the way that make you go, what? Wait a second. What was that? When Jesus says, if, if, if you don't worship me, even the rocks will cry out. I don't think that's metaphorical. I think that is little. Sc- scripture says that all of creation, not people, all of creation is groaning, waiting for the return of the Lord. Groaning. Why? Because creation is just as broken. God's perfect, ordered perfection, His system, is broken along with sin. When we sin, we mess up a whole lot more than just our little existence. We mess up so much when we sin. We, we, we have this thinking that we can sin in some kind of vacuum, and it doesn't affect everybody. It affects everything. If you're a parent, sinning affects your children. It affects your grandchildren. We don't think about this, but Scripture says this stuff over and over and over. And it's affecting so much around us. All of creation is broken because of sin. But it's also eternal. So then God creates this, what we call creation. And then he takes and he creates um, Adam. And Adam is is there a long time before Eve comes along, by the way. You say, no, it's like a half a chapter. No, it's a very long time. There's a lot of stuff. He names all the animals before Eve gets there. All the animals pass in front of him before Eve gets there. All this stuff, God's told him to tend the garden, all these different things. Then God creates Eve as his, as his partner, as his helpmate in all this stuff. All right, taking care of the garden, doing all that stuff. You realize that God, again, he takes from nothing, and he creates Adam and Eve. And from that very moment, eternal people are created. Adam and Eve are eternal. When we get to heaven, Adam and Eve are going to be standing there. And you'll know them. They'll be the people without belly buttons. <laughs> Prove me wrong. Right? I mean, they're eternal. So here's the thing. Is when God creates you and I, and you say, well, well, human beings, you know, mama loves a papa. It, 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 human beings are what creates. Guys, that's a, little, that's a little narcissistic and short-sighted. God breathes life into humanity. Every single human being, from the moment of conception, I've got a a bill that I'm I'm, uh, running next week. It's my bill. I'm presenting it. Not this week coming up, but the next week. It has to do with personhood, that a baby is a human. The moment of conception, the moment of conception, there is now an eternal person. In existence, boom, eternal person. Before there was nothing, now these eternal. You say, well, does that matter? It really does matter. There is, there's a lot of theology out there that th- thinks, thinks differently ab- uh, from different religious mentalities, okay, not Christianity. But uh, for example, Mormonism, Mormonism is not Christian, okay? It looks like it, acts like it's the closest thing that I've ever seen, but, and most Mormons I don't think know this stuff, but Mormonism does not believe that we came from nothing and were created it, their theology says that they already existed somewhere, right? That they existed, and then God brings them, puts them into this human body, and then they grow up. And then they either die. There's seven layers, seven ladder rungs, and you die, and you either go up a ladder rung, or you go down a ladder rung, or maybe you miss two or three in either direction, okay? You know, there's another word for that. It's called reincarnation. It's not biblical. It's, not, it's Hinduism. Okay, But that's what they believe is that you, you existed before and then you were just put into a human body on this earth or you, were, or, or, or you weren't, depending on, I mean, it's, it's, it's layered. But that's, we believe that we, we were nothing and then God created us. L- let me give you another little thing here. You can, if you think, oh, pastor's lost it, look it up for yourself. See if I'm right or wrong about this. The rungs of the ladder, up, so you get to the very top, you're very, very holy, and then you graduate to your planet. Okay, that's what Mormonism believes, right? Get to the top. If you're really doing good, you get to leave the ladder, leave earth, go to your planet, and then all your uh, children and everything are on your planet, which is weird because aren't you a child too? But either way, so, so you get to the top. You know, if, you go to, if you go down the ladder, it's less holy, less holy, and pretty soon you're like here, and you, and you drop into something similar to what we would call hell. It's different, but... So the ladder determines that, right? For years and years and years, this was Mormon theology, but they had to change it around the 1960s into the 70s because it got really messy. This was the theology. Where you were on the ladder, how holy you were, was directly proportional to the color of your skin. Higher, whiter. More sinful, darker. I'm not making this stuff up. Then all of a sudden, some, some black people started getting Mormonized, and they're like, well, this isn't going to work. <laughs> that's, that's called racism, and it was inherent within the religious philosophy. Here's the thing, guys. You came from nothing. You came from nothing, and God created you, and then you became eternal. Eternal. We need to think that way. We need to believe that way. We need to understand this. And if you process all this with me, this, this will make sense. If, if God takes all this time and energy, first he does all the creation thing and that, you know, sin messed it up. But, but if he takes all this time and energy and all this, these resources, I don't know what that is. But to create you, to breathe life into you and make you something that was nothing, now you exist and now you are eternal don't you think there's got to be, there's got to be a reason for that? Don't you think there's purpose? This can't just be accident. Now, if, if you just evolved, sure, that could be accident. It could mean nothing. You, you, are, you have no importance on this earth. You're nothing. Literally. I think that kind of makes sense. Because you used to be a fish, now you're just something else. Whatever. But if you really believe God created you, and I believe this to my core, I know it, God created you, then you have to believe that God created you for something. That you have purpose, that you have divine purpose that where you are, where you were born, what, what moment, what moment in time, all of this kind of stuff. And what we do is we focus so much, and this is, this is literally the hand of Satan that tries to mess with us with this. Is we focus so much on all the things that we are not, or the things we don't have, or our inabilities, or whatever the case is. And, you, and, and we make those reasons why we can't, whatever. Well, I wasn't, you know, I, my parents, they were Horrible. We had no money. I was, I was born poor. Or, or I mean, we do this kind of thing. Well, I, I had some kind of um, brokenness physically in my body or, or mentally or emotionally in my existence. I, I'm not arguing against all that stuff. That's reality because we are a broken human existence. There is sin, disease, sickness, all these other kind of things. There is brokenness that is humanity. I get that. But do you think this stuff caught God off guard? Well, say, I'm, I'm too short. I'm too tall. I mean, we can come up with stuff all day long. Here's the reality. God created you. Step into that. God made you. And you have purpose. There is an importance to you. And this importance is eternal The reason that you exist is eternally as significant, I think, way more significant than even who we are on this earth. But who you are on this earth determines a lot of the mindset, the the direction, the faith, and everything of how we step into eternity. We've got this this mentality in American Christianity that that we get saved, that we live this life and do all this kind of stuff, and then when we step into eternity, everything is different. Everything is different. Except scripture does not teach that. Scripture says that you're even going to be known as you're known on this earth. You're going to have a new body and everything else, but you're still going to be known as who you are here. So there has to be some connection to who we are here as to what relates to who we are in eternity. Now, we're given a new name, new body, all that stuff. But guys, God has so much planned for us. But we're being developed and taught and trained and understood things now. We're maturing and we're growing now because he has a plan for us. It's eternal. It's hard for us to keep that in mind. It's hard to stay in that little circle there, right? God, I'm living today. I'm living for you today as an eternally uh, directed person. No, we we get caught up in this stuff. Life is life. It's it's the same for everybody. we got so much stuff we have to do. So much stuff we have to do. Colossians chapter 1. Look at some of this. See, Jesus is the example. He's the direction. There's so much cool stuff in Scripture about this. But we kind of look past it because we're not thinking transcendently. We're thinking temporally. You, You understand that So I'm looking at you right now, right? That's the limited, physical, temporal, broken thing that we call human, right? There's no perfect person in this room. There's no Adam, there's no Eve in this room, right? We don't know for sure what that was, but it ain't us because we're broken all this other stuff so what i'm looking at is the temporary part that's looking at me is the eternal when you look in the mirror you see the limited physicalness of a person but the person looking at that person in the mirror is the eternal person and the closest we can get to this in humanity is when we see you know into the eyes of a person and we see the person past the physicalness we see the person through personality stuff and through e- even little um, uniqueness about facial expressions and all this stuff i think things like when people laugh or when they cry you're seeing some of that eternal right you're seeing past the physical i can't see the eternal the eternal's looking at me you see what i'm under- what i'm saying That's going to live forever. Look at what it says. Colossians 1 verse 15. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. John chapter 1 verse 14 says that uh, Jesus became flesh or took on human flesh so we could see the glory of God. Jesus intentionally took on human flesh so we could see God. That's the point. Not so we could just see him but as a as a person and he and he literally took on human flesh he operated as a human on this on this planet but he did it so we could see god in the process he says he existed jesus existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation again john 1 says that nothing was made that was made that jesus didn't make i made that longer but jesus made everything now, why does scripture take the time? Why does it say it here? Why does it say it in John? Many other places. Why does it say because th- there's let me go back to Mormonism because I'm picking on them today. Um, Mormons, if you ask a Mormon, do you believe that Jesus is God? They'll say yes. They don't have a problem with that. If you say, Do you believe Jesus is God in equality with God the Father? No. Mormonism believes that God created Jesus. And he created his brother, too. That's Michael, the angel. created Jesus created Michael. Michael went the wrong way and became Lucifer, Satan. And Jesus went the right way and became the Christ. That's Mormonism. And they, they believe that Jesus was created. Well, here's the thing. Jesus was not created. Jesus, the Logos, the Word, was always created. And he's always been part of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He's always been part of that trinity. And he is eternal. And he is the one who does the creating. He was not created. This is why these things are thrown in here. He existed before anything was created. And is supreme over all creation. Why? For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. It doesn't say God created him. It says through him, God created Two different mentalities. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see. Right? i been saying this. Spiritual thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities in the unseen world. All these spiritual things. Again, your eyes were made to see them, but you can't. Because sin has clouded our eyes. We were made to see them, but we can't. Everything was created through him and for him. So I was created... Um, by Jesus, but also for Jesus. This is what we have to keep in our mind. I was created as an eternal person for Jesus. The Genesis 1 2 garden thing, someday, we're, we, me, you, all of us, we're going to go back to that mentality. Not exactly the garden per se, because that has to be burnt up. Thanks, Eve. But that has to be burnt up. But, but this is where we're going back to. This is what the end of Revelation is talking about. Yes, we're living in this redemptive time frame from Genesis 3 to end of Revelation. It's the redemptive story for us. But maybe you've never even thought about this. Do you realize there would have been no reason for the Bible if Eve hadn't sinned? Adam and Eve. I say Eve, but it's Adam too, right? But there would be no reason for the Bible because the Bible is the redemptive story. We didn't need to be redeemed if we didn't sin. So right now we're in this redemptive story. But someday we're going to be living eternally. He says, he existed before anything else. And he holds all creation together. I've argued this sometimes with um, science thinking people. No, it's the laws of physics and nature. Sure. Who made those? God made the laws of physics. And there's so many things. I've told you some of this. I'm not going to go down this road this morning. But, but um, I've got some books. One, one, one of my favorite books on this is uh, this uh, physicist. He's not a Christian, but he, but he just takes it's uh, 13 things that don't make sense. I think that's the title of the book. And he discusses these major scientific issues that the uh, science world cannot answer. They don't make sense. They can't answer them. And, and the reason is because sometimes the laws of physics and nature disagree in these arenas. Okay, I'll give you a simple example. This does not hold too much credibility with scientists, but you'll understand what I'm saying, okay? Why, do we, why are we still stuck to this earth? You say, well, it's gravity. How, how does gravity work? It's the rotation of the earth. That's what pulls uh, us into the earth. Earth spins and gravity pulls us in and we stay on the earth. Okay, It's a very simplistic thing, but that's basically it. Okay, so here's what I would say. Take a Lego person, a little Lego person, and stick them, take double-sided tape and stick them to a basketball and then spin that basketball really, really fast. Are you following me? That Lego's going to end up somewhere on the other side of the room. Those are contradicting things. But you say, but no, it all works when they explain it this way. Yeah, because God designed it to work that way. And this this book that I'm talking about goes through a lot of this stuff. There are things that contradict everything, but they exist. Why? How? We can't explain it. Well, I wanted to write a letter to the author and just say, God, and then just leave it at that. (laughs) Right? Everything created through him, for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all of creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, you and I, which is his body. Now, look at this. It says, he is the beginning. Beginning of what? Supreme over all who rise from the dead. See, Jesus is not just our example of how to live on this physical earth, how to walk and follow God on this earth, but he is also our example of how to rise from the dead. We're going to do that someday, exactly like Jesus did. You know, you say, well, you you can't rise from the dead like Jesus did. He he rose himself from the dead because he's God or whatever. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says the Holy Spirit rose Jesus from the dead. Guess who rises us from the dead, raises us from the dead? The Holy Spirit. Jesus is just the first. He's the beginning. He is the one who started this whole resurrection thing. And he's setting the example for you and I. Why? Because we are eternal people. This is where the finite and the infinite come together. We are eternal people living in a limited world, living on a limited, in, in a limited body, all these things. But we will, one day in the future, we will leave the temporal and we will resurrect into the eternal. That's this finite and infinite coming head to head. Because you are infinite. You, you are eternal. Do we think like that? Do we look at So he is the first in everything. For God in all of his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth. Not just humans, but creation itself. He's going to redeem this thing by means of Christ's blood on the cross. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. He says, but you're not like that. And he talked about some negative stuff. He says, for you're a chosen people. We, I, I know I, I beat this drum so often, but I just don't think as Christians, specifically, I don't think anywhere on the planet, but, but America, we struggle with this to realize that you are very unique and special you were chosen by God. Now I don't mean this calvinistic predestination chosen mentality that some people are chosen to go to heaven and some not. That is not true. That is not truth. You ever hear that reject it. Peter said that Jesus the only reason Jesus hadn't already come back is because he doesn't want anyone to perish. He doesn't want anybody to to end up in hell. He wants you and I to end up in eternity with him living everlasting life. That's what he wants. But, but this idea of being chosen, you're chosen when? Before the foundations of the earth. You were chosen. He says in Jeremiah, while you're still in the womb, I chose you. There's, you, you are very unique and special, and he has a purpose for you. And he has chosen you. We have been trained and taught, learned this for forever. And, and a lot of this is even the church can be complicit in this. As we have trained ourselves into thinking that we're just living life. We're just going through life. We, we've got to start thinking a lot more transcendently. That I can do something For the Lord, you you know, one of the the interesting things that has happened in these last few weeks, these last two weeks for me, is I'm getting emails, phone messages, texts all from people all over the United States, all over. Um, specifically after um, General Flynn reposted my video, there was over two thousand people that just saw that when he reposted it. I'm sorry. Two million, two million. Those are different numbers. (laughs) And I'm getting phone calls, everything, and and, uh, my aides are fielding the phone calls, trying to help, do all this kind of stuff. But I'm getting messages, and they're almost identical. Every one of them are, are very, very similar. Thank you for standing for God. Keep doing what you're doing. You're not the only one. Guys, you're not the only one. There are people that are, that are loving the Lord all over this planet. There are people all over the planet that are going through difficult things. Even when Elijah got all down and, and feeling sorry for himself, God said, come on, Elijah, there's 7,000 people doing the exact same thing you're doing. 7,000. Because Elijah thought he's the only one serving God. I've been there. I know what that feels like. I look around my house. I'm like, I'm the only one. Look at what he says here, guys. (laughs) For you are a chosen people. Please let the Holy Spirit put that in your heart. You're chosen. And you're chosen to serve him with everything you are. We've got to stop letting this limited physical life dictate so much about us. And start looking more eternally. Start thinking more eternally. What am I really here for? It can't just be to eat a bunch of McDonald's. There's got to be more to life. Right? You're a royal priest. I talked about this some last week. You're going to be priesting. I had this conversation with my son this week. And he's like, you know, Dad, I believe in aliens. I'm like, yes, I know. And, uh, And he said, tell me they're not true. Tell me they're not real. I said, look, I don't believe that Martians are visiting us. That's what I'm saying. Are there other creations? Yes. And I, I told him my theory. I think most of them are on Pluto. But that's, I don't know. <laughs> but here's the thing. We are priests. We are part of the royal priesthood. We're going to be priesting. We're a holy nation. You are a holy nation. You are God's very own possession. You are. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you're God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you've received God's mercy. And this is, this is one of the, the, the greatest identity script, uh, words in scripture, Identity moments. Verse 11, dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners. To what? Temporary resident of what? The Earth, the planet. You are temporary on this planet. You say, "Yeah, we're going to live and die." No, no, no. You, you, even you, you will not stay on this planet. You're temporary. You're temporary residents. You're foreigners to this place. But but it's so easy to let th- This is what Romans twelve is talking about: is don't behave, don't, um, don't follow the behaviors and customs of the world. Scripture says, "Be in the world, but not of the world." This is always our this is always our tension, this this um, this intersection between the finite and the infinite. Where there's this there's this struggle that we have that we live so much um, in in the finite, so much in the temporary. But but there is there is truly infinite out there, and we're actually we're actually residents of that. We're actually my my existence is in the. Infinite. I'm just hanging out here in this this eye candy that you see. I'm just hanging out here right now, but someday, I'm going to leave this and I'm going to step into eternity. Does you understand the significance of that? That you are a temporary resident and foreigner to this earth. I, I always think about this. I'll give. I'll use the example of my wife. <clears throat> she, if you've ever been to our house and a lot of you have because we do the journey there and all that kind of stuff. But her kitchen is all Texas, Texas flags, Texas this, Texas everything is painted um, red. It's got all this stuff and everything is Texas, Texas, Texas. Okay, which has always been interesting to me. She 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 says in her heart she is she is a temporary resident of Colorado. <laughs> She's temporary resident. Let me let me unpack this delusion for you a little bit. She was born in Colorado. (laughs) She lived in Colorado until she was four. Then she moved to Texas and lived there until she was 20 when we got married. Well, okay, 26. Until 26. Yeah, don't argue with me. So so at 26, she moves back to Colorado. So she lived in Texas 12 years. Years. 22 22 years. Now, (laughs) here's my argument. Why didn't you guys catch that first service? Nobody catch that first service? (laughs) Here's my argument. She has lived in Colorado way longer than that. And she was born here. So here's what I would suggest. You think like Linda. You may have been born on this earth. And you may have lived all of your existence on this earth. But you can claim heaven. Right? The difference is, it's scriptural when we're talking about heaven. It's not delusional. (laughs) Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners, keep away from the worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Satan is trying to keep you attached to this earth. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. Hebrews chapter 1. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. read this scripture recently about, when we were talking about the Word, uh, seven weeks ago, we are talking about the Word of God, being all in with this. Look what he says. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his Son. He still speaks to us through prophecy. He still speaks to us through um, the gifts of the Spirit and those kind of things. But he's saying primarily, I'm going to speak to you how? Through my Son. Who's his Son? The Word. Jesus. The Logos. The Word. So he predominantly speaks to us through the word, but he still speaks to us through all these other things. He can speak to us through creation. There was a couple in first service that are from Idaho, I think is what they said. And they came and took a picture of this. And they were talking about how their their pastor, um, you know, he, he wants everything. He doesn't want any distractions, so there's no windows, everything's dark, and it's just lights on the pastor and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, and he tells him all the time, he, this guy told me, he says all the time, he said, do you realize how distracting that is when the only thing we can see is you? I told him, welcome. I did this for you. So, did you guys, some of you guys get that? All right. So, <laughs> I can speak to all generations. <clears throat> so, he says, God promised everything to his son as inheritance. And through the sun, he created what? This. He created the universe. He created everything. The sun radiates God's own glory. Now look at this. The sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. This is where the finite comes in contact with the infinite, is that you and I are also supposed to radiate the glory of God and show his character at all times. You and I are supposed to live like that. See, we've got the incarnation. This is where God, the light of everything, limits himself and encapsulates himself in human flesh. Right? Kind of covers the light up a little bit. I mean a whole lot because it blind us. So he puts on human flesh, and we can see the humanness of this man named Jesus, but inside is God. Inside is God bursting at the seams to radiate the glory of God. And we have the exact same thing. In fact, I use this terminology in my doctoral project about the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, that what happens in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is it becomes the incarnation of the believer. Before you have the incarnation of God, God takes on human flesh. God is light. Puts on the the humanity around him. Us, we are already human. We start out as human, and God puts the Holy Spirit within us, and that's the radiating power of the Holy Spirit living within human flesh. We start out as the broken human flesh, and God puts the amazingness of the Holy Spirit within us. The Lord starts out, Jesus starts out as God, and limits by putting the human flesh on. Because you and I have the ability. We can walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and radiate the glory of God and show His character in every moment we get. This is why sinning is such a, a, a negative thing in so many ways. Not only does it affect your soul, obviously, But it also affects all the people around you. They need to see the character of God and God radiating out of you rather than the sin and the junk and the limitedness that we allow life to bring to us. And it's amazing sometimes as Christians how we will fight. We will fight for our right to sin. We'll fight for that. Instead of, wait, I could radiate the glory of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down at the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. This shows that the Son is greater than the angels, just as the name God gave him is greater than their names. I've talked about the name thing. I'm going to move on. John chapter 11, verse 25. Jesus told her, this is Martha. Lazarus is dead. He comes to visit Martha. And he's trying to explain to Martha and every Mary, all of the people, he's trying to explain to them, Something that is transcendent, and they're not getting it. Even Martha doesn't get it. But he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. And then he says, do you believe this, Martha? And Martha starts going about, yes, I understand there's life after death and all that. But she didn't understand. You could tell by her answer. She didn't understand. Look at what he says. He doesn't say he he's going to uh, revive Lazarus, and, um, and there's going to be life after death. And it's not what he says. He says, I am the resurrection. Not that he brought it. He didn't have a, a bucket of resurrection back there he's about to dig out of. He is the resurrection. When we serve Jesus, we are living in the resurrection. That's why at the very first sentence he says that we, are, we have now immediately passed from death into life. I am living in the resurrection right now. And someday it's going to be activated and I'm leaving this earth. But I'm living in this resurrection. Why? Because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And then John 3, 16. It's not just for NFL games anymore. For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. Will be living in the eternal livingness. Your existence will be living, not dying. Living. Why don't you stand with me? Tomorrow, when you go to work, you're eternal. The people around you, they are eternal. If, if you don't grab onto it and think that way and live that way, it becomes very difficult for the people around you that have never been told this to think that. You can tell them and you live it, you both, so that then they know they are also eternal. I'd like us to pray, Lord, we need you. Lord, we need you to open our eyes and our spirit. Lord, we know our eyes are limited right now. We know this. But Jesus, through you empowering and filling us with your Holy Spirit, we can can see past what our eyes can see. We can know you're there. We can know your power. We can know your presence. Jesus, help every one of us here to see and to know. That we are chosen. That we're temporary residents and foreigners on this earth, but we're chosen. Holy Spirit, you've got to do this. You've got to convince us of this. Jesus' name. I'd like you to keep your eyes closed, your head bowed for a little bit. We're going to want to pray as a group all of us together, we're going to pray this, but we're just going to ask Jesus to be Lord over our life. And we're going to make the eternal one, our savior. Let him redeem us. Let him redeem us this morning. So we're all going to pray together, but I would like to ask if if there's anybody you're saying, I really need Jesus right now. I need him to be in charge of my life. I'd like you to raise your hand real quick. Yeah. Guys, God sees our hearts, our hands. He sees, he knew before we walked in here, we need him. We need him. We need him. So you guys, girls that raised your hands and, um, and those that didn't, everybody, every one of us in here, let's pray this together, but we're asking Jesus to be our Redeemer eternal Savior. let's. You can repeat this prayer with me. Lord God, I need you more than anything in my life, my mind, my heart. I need you to be my Redeemer. I ask you to forgive me anything I've ever done that's not pleasing to you. I'll spend the rest of my life serving you pleasing you In jesus name i pray amen god we thank you so much for salvation we thank you for forgiveness we thank you that we truly are eternal and that we are not we're not just what we see around us every day we're not just part of this System, this evil, this darkness that Satan tries to destroy us with. We're not part of that. We belong to you. We belong to you. Jesus, that our, our destination is home and that's eternity with you. So Lord, we thank you for this. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name. Fill us with your presence. Fill us with you. Fill us with you. Lord, help us to tell somebody about you. All the people around us every day that are they're so lost, they, have, they truly have no hope. They just need you. Help us to tell somebody about you in Jesus' name. Before noon tomorrow, God's going to give you the chance to let somebody else know that they are also eternal, and that they can serve Jesus. Do the best you can. Tell somebody about Jesus. God will honor that in your life. It's a guarantee. So shake somebody's hand. Tell them how glad you are that they're here. And uh, we will see you Wednesday night. Have a great rest of your afternoon.